Hi, everyone. Welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I'm David Baxter, your host, and I'm joined today, per usual, with Gary. Gary, Super Gary. Gary, regular Gary. It gets worse and more sarcastic every time now, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. It's hard to find nice things to say about you, man. It takes takes time and effort. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to talk about, I saw an article. uh, We'll link it per usual. Um, see how hip I am. I will link it. It's from Fast Company, and this was today. We're recording a little different. Normally, we record on Fridays. Um, uh, today we are recording on Thursday because Gary's leaving town, he has like a personal life or something. And um, so we're, we're recording a little bit. So today, uh, they came up with an article the minimum wage would be $61.75 an hour if it rose at the same price as Wall Street bonuses. That's evocative title. What are your what are your thoughts on that? It's not insane that the minimum wage should be higher. It's insane that Wall Street bonuses have risen just exponentially out of control. It seems like almost all of the uh, articles you read and see about CEOs and bonuses and they're like, oh, yeah, he got fired because he's a real piece of work. Uh, But he left with forty five million dollars and one hundred and fifty million in stock options. It's like, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. oh, in 2021, punishment. the average Wall Street bonus was a staggering $257,500, and that is on top of their annual salary. Okay, so that's an annual bonus of two hundred. dollars That is their plus. annual bonus. In 1985, the Wall Street bonus was 13970 not inflation-adjusted, so it would have been higher than that. That means that Wall Street bonuses have increased by 1,743%. Over the last 36 years. That's like four times most like normal salaries on average in like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The average salary in the country is just under 60, I believe. Yeah. So it was like 50 ish in the area. So that's insane. That's just, it seems so greedy and gross. I don't know. I didn't want to get into a big political thing about minimum wage because that's not the point of this show, but what it struck me is it hit me at home is I have this real strong belief of a salary cap and this goes completely against it. Now this is my personal belief, but I think every single business owner slash CEO should go through this thought exercise because I think a salary cap is, you might decide I don't want one and that's totally legit. It's your money. We're a capitalist society. You make a lot of money. You have every right to keep it. However, I think it's at least worth asking yourself the question. So, for instance, how many times should the CEO of your company, I'm not not talking about the country, I'm talking about your company, whoever's listening to this, how many times should you as the CEO make more than your lowest paid employee? That is a valid question. In other words, how many, like... Two times more, three times more. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. If your lowest employee, and it changes by industry, but let's say your lowest employee makes $20 an hour. How much is in your mind? And again, there's no wrong answers here. I'm not trying to get on some high horse, but I think it's worth going through the thought exercise. What is a fair thing to say? Well, the CEO should make five times that, 10 times that, 20 times that, whatever that number is. Is yeah. where do you draw that line? What do you think is fair? Because some of these guys, like you'll see, I think Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, I think that's unfair 
because they're comparing their wealth versus that guy's salary. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about salary. And then even that is weird because a lot of those guys take $1 in salary because they'd rather and then be have the stock. stock options. Yeah. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're a small business. You're earning a salary. You're not one of these titans who can play these games with stocks and money and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your salary. Because at the end of the day, you know how much money you're making and you know how much all your people are making. And where does that fit? How I want, I, I, it's a, it's worth asking the question. Where does the balancing act there happen between uh, being prosperous and fair, not just to yourself, but your company and it's but your company versus, you know, I got a company, I'm getting rich. That's all I care about. And if, and if that's who you want to be again, uh, no judgment. I just think it's worth asking the question. Right. Um, and it, it goes beyond that. So with my personal side of it, I want to take that one step further is how much money do I personally need to live on? How much money is, you know, if I'm making a million dollars a year, which I certainly am not, but let's just use that as a fun number. Do I need that? Am I, what am I getting for that? Right. Do I need to live that lifestyle? Like I personally don't want a very, very expensive car. It's just something I don't need. I've got a really fun Camaro. It does everything I need to do. It looks cool. It's got all the cool features that I want, but I didn't spend big bucks on that car. Take that to not you personally, but say sure. this is Mr. Businessman. Um, their lowest paid employees taking the bus and riding the bike. They might yep. see if the business owner is driving. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just a Cadillac SUV. Nothing fancy. You know what I mean? They might see that as like, oh, <laughs> sure. okay. It's a little. Uh... Yeah. I mean, do you want, again, I, I'm not, it's, it's so hard to balance this, right? I'm not telling you yeah. don't go buy the Cadillac. What I'm saying is if you're lowest paid or if you have, <laughs> I've seen this. I made half a million dollars last year and man, my workforce is expensive. Dude, oh, you saw that, that as a comment somewhere. Yeah, I've not said that. I'm saying just yeah, some okay. other people, Clarifying. other business owners. Clarifying no, yeah, sorry. No, I did not make $500,000 last year. So what I, but yeah, it's a comment. I'm a business owner and I made five, my profit last year, the company made $800,000 in profit. But my, and, and I'm complaining that my lowest paid guys want an extra dollar or two an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, dude. And, and I mean, I, I've seen these guys and I'm friends with some of these guys and I just, and I call them to the mat, just like, come on. If you took $200,000 out of that profit pool right there, you could pay all your guys $5 an hour extra. They would feel indebted and loyal to you and you wouldn't even notice because you're already wealthy, right? That's that's the kind of thing that I, I, <laughs> I really struggle against. But again, if I'm not judging them, well, I guess I kind of am. That's not fair. But I don't. You think need to look long. up. You need to look up Dan Price, CEO for a tech company out of Oregon that basically stopped paying himself over forty thousand dollars a year in order to make sure that his company can pay his employees. I've instead seen instead of his laying stuff. anybody off, and then through that, the amount of loyalty that this guy built from his employees and like just the amount of love the company got for treating these people so fairly made the business grow 10 times. And then now anytime they have an open position, they get like 25,000 applications. Like it's, I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but I'm exaggerating for the point of this company, like 
people are really, really trying to work for this company because of the culture that he built, because he treats his employees so genuinely, like fairly. I, I've seen his stuff on LinkedIn. My, my challenge is, is along those lines. What if you thought about making your employees wealthy as well? What if you took the money that you're making and you spread it out a little bit more? Again, I'm not saying you as the boss do not deserve an, a larger share. The CEO founder took a lot of risk. They put in oftentimes their own money in there. I'm not saying you shouldn't live a nice life. But at what point is that nice life causing someone else to have a lesser life? At what point is that nice, nice life now getting showy? That's where I'm asking the questions for myself. It seems for smaller company, again, not Titans, like you were saying, but like for average size or small businesses as well, there has to be a line where if the owner or the CEO is taking a larger than fair chunk. And yeah, of course the employees are going to see that and they're, it's going to cause problems, but from an outside perspective as a consumer to whatever product that business is doing, that's also not a very good marketing move. If that comes Well, out. to be fair, your customers won't see that unless you are just, you're the CEO driving up to the customers personally, that kind of stuff will be largely invisible. If I have a jet, you don't know that, right? How would you ever know that? Unless you're stalking me, which is creepy. Don't do that. I'm just saying if the story gets out, social media, it's fair. Talk. That's fair. I mean, and that's extreme. I mean, obviously a jet is millions and millions of dollars, but it's just, it's just worth thinking about. And and I could go on this forever. I have tried to build my life around what do we need to live on personally? And where does that, we have a number in mind that if I ever, which I have not hit, if I ever hit this number, then everything else, we will do, do something else with it. Either we will start up a foundation or a charity. We will, cause we don't need to live past that number. My wife and I have talked about this for years. Um, That's awesome. And it's a fun thing to think about. Cause my, as the CEO business founder, whatever of our little company, one of my favorite things to do is give bonuses. I do it. We do it once a quarter. That's just how we do it. But um, because that's, I want people to see that they're getting a, a chunk of this company. I'm not keeping that. And I did that. That's purely because my old boss, a while ago, obviously I'm not going to mention names, but a while ago I worked for a company and the owner would take all the profit of the company every quarter and keep it. He would just take it off. I mean, it was widely known. That's another thing that you say, you might not see it from the outside, but it was widely known amongst everybody that worked there. And I'm sure everybody that worked there told family members, which then in turn became conversations for other people. And it comes out eventually. When you do that, if you're that greedy, it started to affect the business because the business yes. had no nowhere to grow. It had no resources to grow. And that's one of the reasons I left. But that's that's an that's a whole different thing. So there's there's philosophical things that we've been talking about, hey, about salary caps and and pay distribution and that kind of thing. And then there is hampering the business. Like those are two different things. Important, but different things. And the irony there is, okay, so the CEO is taking all the profit as his personal gain, and then the company starts to fall behind because there's not any more resources or capital for mm -hmm. it to grow. So then he says, okay, well, let's just either lay off employees or cut more resources and downsize the company, 
sell it off and then I'll move on to some other business where I'll become CEO. And then people are going to be like, oh, wow, he made all that money from the company, sold it and moved on and is making more at a different company. Smart business move for that guy. Yeah. I mean, you see that. It's, it's rewarded. Like You'll find that people, it's like they burn and turn. I will get everything out of this business, bury it in the ground, start another one, and call it an exit. The media company that I worked for over the span of time that I worked there went through, and I won't name names either, um, five different people in that leadership position. And they all did exactly the same thing because the industry itself was kind of taking a downturn. So they would hop in make a few adjustments, get bonuses from the fact that the company didn't lose as much revenue as projected and then make layoffs and then leave. Five times it happened while I was there. Like it was the same pattern over and over. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Smile in your face and tell you I'm making these changes to help everybody, uh, except I'm just going to cash it. We've been kind of building a series, and that's not an accident, but uh, we want to continue that. So we've been talking about, and we kind of got out of order because we realized we wanted to do a series after we started the series, but, but we talked about validating the idea. Yeah, right? I think there's value in, in these little mini lessons and, and just stories and information that you have uh, based around like building a startup company or whatever. And so if we put these together in a sequence now and then kind of go through them step by step, it'll probably end up being beneficial for anybody listening that is in the same boat that they want to start their own business. Sure. So we talked about the having the idea and then validating it in different ways. We spoke mm -hmm. about validating it just strictly through um, advertising traffic and SEO mm -hmm. or just validating it by sending out emails and having people sign up for like a newsletter or whatever, just to kind of get some sort of interest and create like an email list. The last couple of weeks we've done those things. We've talked about them in depth. So if you're intrigued by this series, um, go check those out today. I want to take the next step. So let's assume that you've done all those things. You've, you've had an idea. You think it's great. You've done it, run it by all your friends and family. They think it's great. Now you want to validate, does anybody else like it? Great, right? Well, you do the traffic thing, you do the SEO thing, boom. Now you, we're fast forwarding, that's all been done. You now believe, based off of that research, that there is an idea here, you want to take the next step. What is that next step? We've talked about it a little bit, but we wanted to go into it a little bit more. And this is, and of course, you're going to think me, I'm an app developer, that what I'm going to tell you is it's time to build the app. No, I'm not. Give so, us your money. <laughs> I like money as long as I'm not burying your company with it. Um, but the next step would be simply to build what I would call the smoke and mirrors version of your app. Um, probably that's got enough negative connotations. That's not the greatest name. We'll have to come up with a better one. But what you're basically building. The promise of greatness to come. <laughs> oh, nice. The next step of this would be to build a very pretty website. And, the, and it's important to be pretty because you want to have it this and i mean this as a web version of your app but it, i want it to look really good like it's a real good solid company is behind it even though you're just getting off the ground so design's key here you want to pass along the idea of quality professionalism yep. and that there has been work and dedication and thought put into this 
it's not just a fly by night. Let's see if this thing correct. Works. So you you make a really pretty website, and that's going to cost you some money. Again, when we, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying here is the cheap way to build a startup. None of this is cheap. If you're going to make a real company, unless you just strike gold, it's going to cost a good amount of money. So the the validation stuff, we were saying, hey, ten thousand dollars probably is a is a good number to put in that. And by that point, you'll know whether or not to keep going. But it, that sounds like a lot of money, but compared to building the real thing and hoping, it's quite a bit less. This, I would say, let's put a really ballpark number of ten dollars to $20,000 in this phase. So now you're talking about a professional design. You're hiring some dude. I'm not talking about some Squarespace template. I'm talking about make it snappy, right? Make it good. But the back end is largely manual, right? So let's use an example. You are, I think we've used the example of the photographer guy. Yeah, connecting photographers to tourists or, or something yeah. similar. To so that. We'll, go, we'll go with that, right? Or you could you could be a single-sided kind of thing. You make soap. Either way, this is the kind of the same kind of thing. You could build a big, fancy e-commerce system and spend big bucks. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do any e-com. I mean, if you're selling soap, you need a, a, a Shopify site or the like. But you make it, you spend extra money on that design and and you go with the bare bones. Stuff. Yeah, you, you want to make sure people will actually buy the soap first. So Right. You validated that people like soap or they like photographer. They like the idea of the traveling photographer kind of concept. And now you're going to build a fancy website that looks good but does nothing. That's the key. So you want it to look like it does something. Like, again, using the photographer thing, you would make the, if I'm a photographer, there's going to be a form that you fill out. And you say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I, my rates are, blah, blah, blah. And if you are someone who's traveling, you say who I am, where I'm going. Behind the scenes, all those do is send you some emails. That's it. Maybe they fill in a spreadsheet using Zapier or something like that. But very basic kind of functionality. At the end of the day, you would pick up the phone and call both of those people and make this happen. Again, it's not automated. Or send emails back and forth. Yeah, I mean, however you want it. I mean, I said you're going you're going to do most of the communication between the the two parties involved. To it is not an automated process. Happen. Yeah, like you're uh, the final app would be all automating all of this so that you could build up for scale. The goal of this is to see the next step. So now I've got this gorgeous website that does very little. And if I was doing the Shopify thing, I'm selling soap. The equivalent would be I've got the bare bones Shopify system. I've got the bare bones taxing system. I've got the bare bones shipping system. That stuff can get super complicated. And developers will sometimes try to sell you on some of that. You don't need it. Not yet. And it's very easy in systems like Shopify and I'm where you'll see little add-ons and third-party plugins and things like that. Like, Ooh, I could use that. Ooh, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, you're spending, you know, $400 a month on these subscriptions to services yep. that you might or might not need. And that's what I'm trying to trying to keep those reined in. Let's keep it manual for now. Email's a powerful tool. You're still hustling. You're still a nose of the grindstone at this point. You're trying to, you're still validating, but you're doing it on a larger level because now you're saying, okay, so let's poof, let's jump ahead again. Now that website is, it's pretty, it's sexy, it's out there. Now you're going to turn that engine, that traffic engine that you've already validated in previous steps, you're going to turn this on your website. And now they can buy something. Now they can sign up for something, right? Now it's not just a sign up newsletter thing. It's a real product. But every time you get a sign up, you got, you got work to do, right? You got to go and make the soap and pack it up and send it off, right? Or you have to call and text and, and email the photographer and, and the traveler. You have to do that. But it's... You've done this for pretty cheap 
And at this point, you know you've got something that can bring in some revenue, probably not a ton because you're not spending a ton on marketing, right? You're spending a little bit still to to validate and, and to push those ads that you, we had talked about before. You know they work. Maybe you yeah. tweak them some, whatever. That does not stop. You have to- That never stops. Be, yeah. As long as you have an idea here, you've got to be generating traffic. Now, I say that. I'm going to take a big caveat. Eventually, maybe after this step, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Eventually, you'll get start getting organic traffic. Six months to a year later, Google starts paying attention and you start getting organic traffic that you don't have to pay for. Yeah. That will happen if your idea gets legs, but that's a long time from now. Don't count on that for any time soon. And that should not end up being the only way you're generating. Your no, no. I've, I know of too many companies, and I'm off on a tangent here, but too many companies rely on Google alone because Google is or Facebook or Instagram, whichever. They pick a platform and they invest all of their stuff. And then that platform changes its algorithm and you vanish. Yes. That happens more often than you realize. And like YouTubers are a really good example. Well, you mentioned photographers. Every time Instagram changes the way it feeds its, you know, recommendations to its users and changes mm-hmm. its algorithm, all photographers go crazy because your that stuff was just basically disappears. their only platform out there into the world. Yeah. There was a guy who he was a YouTuber, right? That's that was his job. And he was a he was a nerd. And that's what intrigued me about him. I can't remember his name because I'm bad at that. But uh, he was constantly evaluating to see which videos were moving up and down. And he could start to pattern out the changes to the algorithm. Based and on, the based on things, yeah, things that were happening behind the scenes. And so he started saying, okay, I see where the algorithm is going. I'm going to start making more videos. Most people don't have that acumen. That's a rare trait. But they change all the time. And so if you, bear, if you marry one of these platforms, be careful. Be careful, be careful, be careful. So you have this website. It's now functional to a minimal degree. And it should be generating revenue. It should be generating traffic. Not a lot, but it's the next level of validation. Again, I still say from day one, uh, to build a startup from scratch, you're going to need somewhere around $250,000. That number is not changing because of these steps. What I'm trying to do is limit your exposure so you're not dropping sixty, seventy thousand dollars to build an app that you have no idea if there's any value in. That's, and then you have a very limited amount left over afterward for things that might actually help the company pass. Correct. The validation. So at this point, you're, you're building upon itself. So you validated the idea, you built a successful ad campaign. Now you have a place for that ad campaign to land. You're now building this thing. And the next step, which will be in another uh, episode, is building the real thing. And we'll talk about how, how to do that the right way too. But you'll start doing that when you are getting so many orders manually, it's getting really hard to keep up. Yeah, you're going to have a have to maintain a balance where at first it's going to be, okay, I might only sell one or two things a day and I'm kind of nervous it's not really going well. Yeah, a week even. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, it, hopefully when things are going well and, and your ads are still out there and more people are, are coming to the site, then it's going to get to the point where it's like, okay, I can still handle this on my own. It's a lot of work, but I'm still there. And then it's going to get to the point where, okay, either you're going to need help. Or you're going to have to start automating some more things to make, you know, free up some of your time to actually fulfill these orders if you're still doing that. Or maybe mm-hmm. at this point you start looking at companies that can do the fulfillment for you or the shipping for you or just start changing little things. And you're then automating. Yeah. And then you're that's what's going to lead automation. into the, mm-hmm. okay, I need something that's going to be 
written for me a specific way to make this as easy as possible. Um, you mentioned Zapier earlier, and I was going to say, Zapier. yeah, it's Zapier, Zapier, Zapier. Because they're way. called Zaps. That's yeah. how I know that. They're individual okay. things. They're called the zaps. connections between two apps. Yeah. Yes. Zaps. Are called Zaps. Oh, you can zap the apps. Oh, hey, Makes no, sense stop now. it. Get out. I'm going to start working for them as a marketer. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's third party apps and products out there that can do some of this stuff for you, but of course it's going to have limits, but at the same yep. time, this is a better approach than just starting with a shell that doesn't have any expandability. Um, we mentioned Shopify with the third-party plugins. You can always add on to that, of course. But you, David mentioned you didn't want to start with like a template, like a Squarespace or a Wix. You might be stuck in a place where you can't expand some of that back end to do any of the automation for you. So, Yeah, I mean, if you're selling your soap, you will, you will not outgrow Shopify until you are a millions of dollars of soap. Right. When, when you're, if that is your business, the most you will get is you will start to automate more of the, and it, I say app, you don't need, you're not going to need an app for a soap manufacturer, right? But let's say you start getting really popular. Well, the, the key is you're going to be automating and spending real dollars automating your process. It might not be tech per se, but you might be building a custom gizmo or using a, an expensive Shopify integration that connects to an inventory system or a fulfillment center or whatever. That's what I'm talking about is your next step. Once you start doing your own orders is overwhelming. You need to start automating over in time. When you're the photographer traveler guy, um, you're going to need an app and that's big bucks too. So by this, at the end of this, you've spent 30, $40,000. Okay. All of that now is validation, validation, validation. At the end of that, if you spent $40,000 on this thing, you should have a darn good idea that this has real legs. And then now you start talking about the real money of building those automations. Okay. I just thought of an analogy that might be helpful. This is like taking your product from the farmer's market. Like you've got a, an interest, you're selling a few things here and there to friends. You take it to the farmer's market to see if you can get a little bit more, you know, people buying mm -hmm. in. You're creating and selling and creating and selling. And then at, at what point do you take it from the farmer's market to an actual store or you license your product through grocery stores or anything like that? Yeah. If you're walking through that scenario, yeah, you, you're selling your apple pies to friends and family. They love them. They're amazing. Then you start taking them to farmer's markets and you're selling all you've got and you're getting to the point where, man, can't I can't make, make enough. enough pie. Can't make enough pie because now friends and family have told their friends and family and now people are calling you and I can't make enough pie. Now you're starting to automate some of this. You're getting an industrial kitchen. You're starting to talk about shipping and this, that, and the other. That's what we're building up towards. And we just want to make sure you're not going from selling to friends and family to renting a factory and starting to produce hundreds of pies. Like you need, you need that in between step to make sure. So many people <laughs> come to us and using our pie analogy, they're saying, I want to go to Walmart today. Yeah. You're like, dude, what? You don't even know if Walmart wants you first off, but you're going to have to build an, a custom kitchen and a distribution center. So you, if Walmart just happened to be interested and they order 100,000 pies in the next 24 hours, you can do that. That's the equivalent of building your app from day one. We're trying to stop that. Use your brains. Use your noodles. Build this right. And you can. Another analogy that just popped in my head was a food truck. 
and I guess it's because it's almost lunchtime when we're I recording. Say, Dude, this. are you hungry? What's going on? <laughs> but a food truck is another. I'm just trying to think of uh, visual ways because sometimes when you said app doesn't always mean application. It could just mean a process or something like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of just specific. You can't mistake visual metaphors or analogies. So it would be I'm like thinking a of a lobster, and a lobster is getting bigger. No, sorry. <laughs> See, now I mean, you- if we're throwing out analogies, <laughs> I'm just gonna make one up. Why not? I want to, uh, I'm going to rant instead of answering a question about from Reddit in the web, I want to rant a little bit. I keep seeing posts about people who want get rich quick. They're posting on business startup forums. I mean, there are forums for get rich quick, fine, but these are guys coming to the, to business, uh, threads and subs and stuff. And they're saying, tell me a way to get a business, uh, $100,000 in three months with $10,000 investment. Do you think these I, are serious questions? Or these do you are serious. Well, they, just... They're posing themselves as serious. Who knows? I mean, they could be just trolls. Probably they're trolls. But I see enough of them. And a lot of times they're very young, which is standard. And it just irks me. These are A lot of these people are legitimate. They have real problems and they want help. And I, you know, I try to help. And so does a lot of people. Certainly I'm not cornering the market on helping. But then you get these yahoos and it, it almost is like they're invalidating the hard work the rest of us are putting in because getting rich quick doesn't work. I, Dave Ramsey, I know I've mentioned him before. He he said something in one of his programs. He was like, the, the people easiest- who struck it rich, like a get rich quick, let's say uh, crypto, yeah. right? Let's say someone makes millions of dollars on crypto or GameStop or whatever, you know, those stock shenanigans. Um. He said, you know, the odds of that person being rich when they're older and ready to retire are almost zero because the behavior that led them to that one windfall is going to also lead them to the next 10 failures. Yeah. All that money will dry up. The miraculous, weird circumstances that paid off for them that one time. Yeah. It's almost like these get rich quick schemes. The easiest way to get rich quick is selling other people get rich quick schemes. Like, oh, for sure. In the, in the modern version the of that of is time, the course. It's always, yeah. The online course is the new shenanigans of Get Rich. Now, I'm not saying there's not legitimate courses out there. Oh, like no, there are game some development very, guy. yeah, there's very, very good educational resources that you might end up paying for. But then you might not need, you know, 50,000 people telling you how to make the best YouTube videos on YouTube. <laughs> sure. After you pay the subscription to how to make a YouTube video. Yeah, to just all you have to do is buy their one course and you will make millions just like them. And I mean, again, there's a place for that. But dude, yeah, the course is the new uh, late night infomercial, I think, is, is what's, what's happening. I will be in New York City living, living the dream of the tourist, standing in line. Hey, if you Going want a photographer to take pictures of you guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did anybody take me up on that idea? Did, is there a photographer sitting around there? Uh, anyway, right, well, y'all have a, I will be back in two weeks. And in the meantime, good luck with Gary. <laughs> yeah, good luck. See you guys. All right, have a good one.